if you're struggling to get things done in life, you spend money on a whim, binge eat, binge drink, and are always looking for that next high, keep watching because I'm going to share the secrets of self-control and its importance for your self-transformation. Welcome to The Great Updraft, you're here with Ross. I make weekly videos with tools for self-transformation, so do make sure to subscribe to stay up to date. In this episode, I want to bring insights into self-control and the amazing effects that high levels of self-control has on your life. I was actually inspired by Steven Pinker's book, The Better Angels of Our Nature. In that book, what he does is he analyzes the effect that self-control has on our violence levels and the impact it's had throughout human history on violence. But I'm not going to talk about that in this episode. I want to show you how it impacts your results and levels of flourishing in life. I think before we get into the nuts and bolts of self-control, we should talk about what self-control is not. And let's make that very clear. So self-control is not self-imposed punishment. It's not confinement. It's not being uptight or being puritan or putting yourself in a straight jacket where you don't enjoy life. That's not what it's about. And you may have this negative association, particularly if you have poor self-control. And I think this comes from our general idea of, of what life is and what we should be doing with it. People often think that the spice of life is variety and it's doing new things and it's stimulating the senses. And I'm not going to say that that's necessarily wrong, but it means that we have this twisted idea of what self-control is. And really what you'll see is, I'm going to quote in some scientific studies here, what you'll see is that the in these studies, the most healthiest people are the ones with the most self-control. So it's not like you're being neurotic and you're putting these constraints on yourself. That's not what self-control is about. And the truth is, we all have a good sense of what is good and bad for us in life, what is healthy and unhealthy. We know that. We've got the information now, you know, the information about smoking, about dieting about exercise to know what is good for us the thing is we get complacent about it and our lower dog-like self drags us into repetitive high pleasure low fulfillment low long-term impact behaviors and that's really what self-control helps you to do is to stop all that so let's look now at what self-control is if it isn't any of those things well, Steven Pinker defines in, in his book as being a willingness to choose larger late rewards over small earlier ones. So what this does is it translates into the ability to take actions that might not be the most immediately pleasurable or the most immediately rewarding like exercise or healthy eating or not smoking. <laughs> it's about delayed gratification. And you're able to overlook the immediate, tempting, high pleasure uh, hits that your dog-like nature craves. And you're able to actually consciously direct your focus, your energy, your time, and so on into those things that bring you long-term benefit. And we're going to look at some of the scientific research behind this and what it brings to our lives, this ability. This is actually a stable trait that differentiates one person from another. So it's fairly stable throughout life and it begins in your youth. However, this doesn't mean that self-control is not developable. So if you're 
self-control levels are pretty poor right now and you really need to do some work on it, then just stick, stick around because I'm going to get to those solutions. It can be developed. I'm going to show you how. When you actually get to the ground of it, what self-control is, it's the ability to direct your attention and energy into meaningful, beneficial activities rather than being directed by those dog-like desires that uh, I just mentioned there. So it's, yeah, you overlook the dog-like desires and you go for the thing that is most productive and beneficial in the long term. Isn't that a, just a, a key skill for self-transformation, for flourishing? And we're going to show... I'm going to show you in a minute why that is exactly, but I'm sure you have a sense of the importance of it already. This is from my own evidence. When you master self-control, you're able to identify where you're wasting money, time and energy on activities that give you this high immediate pleasure, but no long-term result, no long -term results of, or fulfillment. Usually we are just driven by our dog-like desires, our reptilian desires, and we don't even... There's not even a thought as to what the results of that are. And that's when we get health issues. That's when we get, we become unfulfilled and depressed. That's when we have no energy because we dissipate all our energy into these meaningless activities. Let's look now at the science of self-control. And this is some really fantastic research that's been done into self-control by many different researchers. And I'm just going to be skimming the surface here, but to show you that there is a scientific basis behind all this and there's definite well-defined effects that a lack of self-control has or high self-control has. So let's get to those. First one I want to highlight is one by Walter Mischel. What he did was he worked with children and he offered them one marshmallow now versus two at some point in the future. And he basically tracked the responses to this, whether children were willing to wait or whether they wanted one right now instead of the two later. So there's a clear advantage to waiting, but there's also an advantage to getting it now. And your level of self-control and your level, your ability to delay gratification sort of determines your answer. What he found was when he looked at those children a decade later, wait for this, because this is quite mind-blowing, those who waited for the two marshmallows at a later time instead of taking the one right now, they got higher SAT scores and they stayed in school for longer. That was a decade later. And as adults, a decade or two after that, so a decade passes, then he looked at them a decade after that or two decades after. So we're talking 20, 30 years in the future here. They were less likely to use cocaine. They had higher self-esteem. They had better relationships, they dealt with stress better, they got better degrees, and they earned more money. Now look at all those benefits just from this simple variable of, am I going to wait now, am I going to take the hit of sugar now, or am I going to take two, but I'm going to wait for that hit to come later. Let's look at a sort of meta study that was done. This is a, Pinker combined lots of studies together and drew a conclusion and this was done on adults. These studies were done on adults. What happened was adults were offered $5 now or $40 in two weeks' time. And not surprisingly, a similar conclusion was reached for those who waited. It turned out that those who waited got 
better degrees, they weighed less, smoked less, they exercised more, and they were more likely to pay off credit cards every month. I don't remember the time interval, but there was a time interval when they looked at these people in the future. So look at all those, just from that basic ability to delay gratification. Let's look at another one. This is from Baumeister. What he discovered, and this is really the basis of all the solutions I'm going to offer you, is that he saw that self-control is like a muscle that can become fatigued. What happens is if you put in willpower, say early in the day, it defeats the willpower that you're able to put in later on. So that can actually be, yeah, that could explain a lot of bad habits here. His, in his study, he found that participants who carried out self-control tasks for several weeks before the experiment showed higher self-control. So what this is showing is that while self-control is a muscle that can become fatigued in the short term, like over the course of a day, over the long term, it is strengthened like a muscle. So it has that property of you work the muscle and it strengthens. The participants who worked their self-control beforehand, they worked on their self-control, they performed better in the self-control experiment. They actually also showed self better self-control in their lives as a whole. They smoked less, they drank less alcohol, they ate less junk food, they spent less money, they watched less television, and they studied more. So what we get from all these studies is that the ability to just overlook these dog-like desires, these easy short-term hits and um, see a bigger reward in the future that might not bring that immediate high actually has a huge impact because it sort of, it predicts other areas in life. It predicts how well you're performing in other areas of your life. And we have also seen that self-control is like a muscle and that's going to form part of my solutions to this issue. I'm going to talk now a little bit about some just anecdotal evidence into the impact of low self-control. This is sort of the observations I make of people and of society. What I see is, is that if we have low self-control, we are basically not human. Now, I don't want, this is not like, <laughs> I'm not going to start a genocide, right? That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you are not acting from your human needs, your higher self, your higher needs as a human being. You're acting from the reptilian dog-like needs that has been wired into us through years and years of evolution. You're, you're, you're like a dog that's just crawling around looking for food and looking for you know the, next, the, the immediate thing to come. I'd be surprised that, that no one, if no one had any of these vices. So I'm not saying it's like you're a, you're a slave to your dog-like impulses or you're not. It's really like a spectrum, I think. And I think we're all influenced by them to some degree. But the question is, do they destroy our energy? Do they destroy our passion? Do they destroy our creativity? And if, you're, if you find that you're a slave to these quick hits, then you're going to have less energy, less passion, less creative creativity. You're going to drink more, smoke more, do less exercise, earn less money, study less, and so on. And yeah, it's, it's really sad to see that. 
modern day life makes this very easy actually because well one very good example that if you have low self-control i can imagine is, a, is an issue for you is mobile phones because we basically have this you know this marshmallow or, or a nice donut we have it in our in our pocket maybe not in our shirt pocket but in our trouser pocket we have it right there we can just take it out we can sit and look at all sorts for hours on end and just piss away our lives basically looking for this immediate gratification what does being on instagram give you what does it really bring you in the long term if you look back you track all the hours you spend on social media you count it up and you say what did i get from that you'll probably come to the conclusion that you got absolutely nothing from it and it's because you're a slave to your mobile phone other traps in modern life fast food because it's quick easy tasty cheap netflix quick <laughs> cheap not necessarily tasty highly entertaining you could spend your entire weekends and evenings on netflix and you would never even touch the sides of what you could consume on that platform sugar if you've seen the supermarkets they're filled with sugary foods how easy is that you get the dog like uh, drive to buy this sugary sweet you eat it you get this high you get this nice high and you think oh I've, I've i've really enjoyed myself you look back 10 years later and you're fat overweight and you've done all that bad eating has done nothing for you alcohol same thing it's a dog-like need you're you want this you want to feel better you want to feel more sociable you want to take away your pain to get through the day you want to enjoy the weekend with this alcohol and of course you wake up the next day with a hangover because that's like the the hangover is exactly if you imagine this is like your normal state of you know joy and fulfillment you go like this when you're drunk but you have to come back down again. Your hangover is just like that big drop. And that's the sign that you need to say that this is a short-term high. You go up and you come right back down. Cigarettes. I will have to talk about cigarettes. Coffee. Another one. Similar thing. It's about short-term hit. It's about satisfying that need. Shopping. Some people shop because they don't know what else to do. Because they... They feel anxious because they, they feel like there's a hole inside of them. And what does shopping do? It doesn't actually solve that. It just makes it worse because you're not addressing the issue and you're covering over it. Television, on the same note as Netflix, but this could really, it's any screen time at all, really. It's, you want this immediate stimulation and it doesn't actually do anything for you. Gaming is another one. You know, it feels like you're 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 being creative. You're playing these games, and you're you know you're killing people and whatever. You're building fake cities in the in the digital world, and then you realize that actually no, it's not really doing anything for you, and it's just a a way of you know having an easy form of stimulation. Have you noticed yourself scrolling endlessly through your mobile phone? Have you noticed yourself craving those sugary foods? Are you dying to watch that series on Netflix? It's because you're not in control and you're you're a slave to your dog-like needs. Society as a whole is pretty bad with self-control. And yeah, modern society is, is... We're in a tough position here. And 
But the upside of that is that if we know how to develop it, we can rise above the crowd. And I hope I don't have to convince you now that self-control or a lack of it can really just destroy your life because you're you're constantly consuming and you're constantly taking in these short hits that don't, there's no investment there. You're just throwing your energy, time and money down the toilet. And really at the end of the day, you're, you're not, you're not actually thinking about your life. You're just seeking stimulation and easy gratification. What kind of life is that? You look back 10, 20, 30 years in the future and you realize you've not done anything. Well, why is that? Maybe it's because you've been wasting all your time on this low consciousness, easy, high pleasure, short, uh, low reward stuff. I want to talk about my own experience of self-control and the levels it can get to. So in my life, I've experienced self-control as a snowball effect. And for me, it's sort of my own experience of it verifies this muscle effect. The more bad habits I eliminate, the more the easier it is for me to do so. For example, I used to drink fairly regularly from the age of 15 to 21 years old. You know, by the time, you know, the end of the school day came, I couldn't wait to get drunk on a Friday, Saturday night. Couldn't wait to have a beer. I would also I would always be like the, the, the drunken one at the party, the most drunken. I would be people we'd be, you know, my colleagues or my School friends would be talking about me on the Monday and for the next week talking about what I was doing when I was drunk. And I couldn't remember any of this. And I actually think in certain periods of my life, say after breakups and just in certain times where I was feeling, you know, a bit demotivated, a bit down in the dumps, I had sort of mild dependency, I think. You know, there'd be days, there'd be weeks where I would drink every single day. I'm not talking about getting drunk every single day on my own. But I would find ways to drink with people. I would find, you know, the, oh, there's something on the TV. I want to have a beer with that. There'd be weeks where I would be drinking every single day. Until the age of 21, where I started working on myself. I'm not saying I addressed the alcohol issue quite immediately, but I started doing things like meditation. I started introspecting. I started doing journaling work, things like this. And my drinking slowly subsided and it, it didn't have that appeal that it used to. However, I was still sort of at its mercy and I would, I would still have urges and I'd still occasionally get drunk until about two years ago when, I don't know what happened, that something just clicked in me. Something just said, Ross, what are you doing? Like, why are you, why are you still drinking alcohol? And the next day I woke up and I thought, this was just after having a few beers that night, I woke up and I thought, I don't need this anymore in my life. It's not bringing me anything. I don't feel, I don't feel like it's, it's adding anything to my life. And in fact, it's preventing me from doing the things that I want to do. It's preventing me from living the potential that I know I have. And I could see that on alcohol, I was an idiot. Even if I wasn't drunk, even I just had a few beers, my IQ, you know, I would say things that I would never say otherwise. And I just... I would look back and I'd think, why did I say that? What was, why? That's not me. I'm not authentic when I'm drinking. And now I've gone two years without drinking. I've not had a drink in two years, nothing at all. And I can say it, it's been shockingly easy. It's been very, very easy. And 
I think that's because of my self-control. It's because I've already put in a lot of habits into my life. I'd already, say, put in place a meditation habit. I'd stopped watching television. I'd ha- I stopped watching Netflix. I'd quit most of my social media. I quit Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, although now I have Instagram for my business. I started a vegan diet. My diet is much better than it used to be. I'd done all of that and more before I start. I stopped the drinking. So I see it like strength. I strengthened the muscle over time, and then I was able to address the really long-term, persistent habit that I had of drinking, and it's one that sort of plagued my family. I was able to then address that after all that time. And if you'd asked me, say a few years ago, if I'd ever one, if I'd ever imagined stop drinking forever. I would have said absolutely not, not possible, and I don't want to do that. I've also quit pornography, and this is one that plagued me for even longer. I was actually using this in my early teens, and if you're a guy, I'm sure you can resonate with that. And it's actually been remarkably easy as well. I've had to have substitutes. I've, it's not been a cold turkey type thing, but over time I've been able to quit it, and it's overall it's been really easy and now I don't want to go back I have no impulse I have no reason to go back to it I can see myself I'm a new person now and I don't want to be that person anymore in fact that person's like a stranger so now let's get to the actual solutions then I've sort of given a given some solutions I just want to make it very clear what the solutions are number one is a good old-fashioned cold water over the head treatment that I'm going to give you. And it's basically to say, like, get a grip on your life. There's no fancy strategies here. Just get your stuff together and put your time and your energy where you should be putting it. What, what do you want out of your life? Are you clear about what you want out of your life? Can you see that the, the habits that you've got are just completely destroying your ability to, to do that, to, to reach that goal or to... Do whatever it is you want to do. And if you can see that, why are you not putting the time and energy towards it that you should be? Why are you not doing it? No one else is going to do it for you. No one else is going to do that hard work. No one else is going to go through the hard labor that you're going to have to go through. So who are you waiting for? What solutions are you waiting for exactly? I think it's really important to have this old-fashioned mindset in some cases because... Often we just get complacent, we get naive, we take the back seat, we're passive in our lives and we don't just say, let's get to work. What am I doing with my life? Why am I sinking my time and energy into projects, into food and into alcohol, which does nothing for me? Often it takes just that really strong intention and just kick up your backside to, to, to change your life. Number two is to watch yourself getting activated. So this dog-like nature is not hidden from us. Actually, we can feel it emotionally. We can see it in our thoughts. You know, if you think of a, a nice a cheeseburger right now, you're going to feel like this urge to go and buy one right now. And it's it's something you can feel in your body right now. It's, it's always there. You should keep an eye out for this all the time. Because it's, it's always coming up, especially the, least, the less self-control you have and the more you're a slave to these things. Yeah, 
it's going to come up a lot for you. What these emotions do is they make you, it makes you believe that they're a necessity. It's like you get this like urge in the body and it's like, oh, I need to go. I need to do it now. I need to go and get this cheeseburger. And no, that's, that's the desire for immediate pleasure. That's the dog that wants to eat everything in the house because it, it gets this huge urge and it, it doesn't think it's going to get fed again. That's the same urge that's working in you. Number three is attack the easy areas first. So like me with my pornography and alcohol, I didn't start with those. That took quite a while, actually. And I started off with, without really having a clear plan as to like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and then I'm going to get to the, the difficult stuff. I didn't do that. It was more of a spontaneous thing. It doesn't have to be spontaneous for you. Look for those areas, the most destructive habits you have. Look for the ones that you think that are achievable in the next six months for you say and make the commitment make goals for yourself and look over those goals talk about it with your friends talk about with your your partner with your parents with your peers and make a commitment to getting rid of those unhealthy habits the easier ones and then you can start targeting the harder ones and trust that you're going to build up this muscle over time like I did and like those people in the study did. And if you want a guide as to what the easier ones are, the short-term ones and the ones that you don't do all the time. So maybe it's something you do once a week or twice a week and it's something that you've only been doing for a year or two. Right, that's something that you can identify and start to undo. Number four, watch for the moments when you are tired. I'm sure you've heard of the one about, you know, you come home from work and you crash on the couch with a bag of potato chips, if you're American, crisps, if you're British, and you just eat the whole lot because you're so tired, you've got no energy, you feel sorry for yourself after a hard day at work. And yeah, you're, you use your tiredness as an excuse. Actually, it's not an excuse. It is true that, again, this willpower is a muscle and over the course of a day, it can get drained. So you have to really, this is like when your willpower muscle is tender. You have to look for those moments and see, oh, am I going for the chocolate bar at that time? Am I going for the can of beer when I feel tired after work? Because it's like a, an easy hit. I can just open that can of beer and I can drink it and I get this like apparently hit of, ple this apparent hit of pleasure. So look for those moments when you're tired and also maybe do a, a more global analysis of your day and of your week and of your month and of your year and see when the periods of time are that you are lacking in self-control and target those and really watch yourself in those moments because that can bring huge results. And finally, go for the long term. This is really a, about a strategic plan for your whole life and it's about Looking at everything in your life, all the things that you put energy into, time, money, planning, and ask if it's really adding value to your life. And yeah, you could have a whole plan around this. I'm not going to give you a, a, a fully comprehensive plan. We need to have a, a separate video on this. But it's, to, it's, it's actually to look at your whole life and to start to construct a new identity, one that is built on self-control 
one that is built on delayed gratification, one that is built on being able to choose where you put your time, your energy and your money because, well, isn't that, if you look at the studies that we have, if you remember the studies we've looked at and yeah, just from my own life, I can see that this is the way to go. You don't want to be a slave to your desires. You want your desires to be a slave to you. You want to be able to direct yourself where you need to be the most. Great. So I hope that helps with your self-control. Do subscribe for more videos like this and please leave me a comment. Tell me which of these five strategies that you're going to implement today, starting today, to revolutionize your self-control levels. Take care and I'll see you soon.